0: Song of the soul. And we'll sing this
1: song. We've got a wonderful new to me singer songwriter here today for Song of the Soul who goes by the name Victoria Vox. Her self described style of music is pop rock, although, in truth, she does some songs all along the musical map. Maybe first you'll notice her voice. Vox is, after all, Latin for voice. And then maybe you'll notice that she gets more depth and range out of her ukulele than you ever thought was possible. But mainly, I'm pretty sure that you'll be enjoying the music and the lyrics in English or in French as Victoria Vox joins us by phone from Baltimore, Maryland. Victoria, I'm so pleased to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mike. The way your name came to me was through Joel Cranky, because he hosted a house concert of yours. Do you do a lot of house concerts?
2: I wouldn't say I do a lot of them, but I do do them. Maybe a handful a year. There isn't one particular venue that I perform in regularly, whether it's a, a festival, a house concert, a theater, a coffee house. There's nothing normal to what I'm doing.
1: Is that really how you want to say it, Victoria? There's nothing normal there's to there's what, I'm
2: nothing what I'm doing. nothing normal to what I'm doing. Well, people say like, oh, do you usually do this? And it's like, well, no, I don't usually do anything.
1: <laughs> do you tour a lot?
2: I do. I've been a full-time performer for 10 and a half years now. The most shows I've done in one year was 200, and that was a little excessive, um, I try to sit somewhere around 100 to 125 now, but I'm coming off of a year and a half of not touring, so things are starting to pick back up again now.
1: 200 in a year. That's somewhere past a little obsessive. That's a lot obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> do you also have a life?
2: Yeah, I do. I do now. You know, I'm trying anyways. I live in Baltimore, Maryland now, and I'm originally from Algoma, Wisconsin, But since living out here, I spent a lot of time on the road. So when I think of living in Baltimore for seven and a half years, really I've only lived here for maybe two as far as putting all that time together that I'm home. But last year was really nice because I worked on a songwriting project where my fans pre-purchased 52 songs, one a week for the year, and I was able to stay home and just focus on my writing kind of use that time to fill my artistic well and to recharge my batteries and made more friends and was able to go out and enjoy the city a little bit, which was really nice. So I'm trying to find a balance.
1: Well, good. Balance is good. Yeah. Why don't you get a starter right away with your music, and then we'll get a flavor of the kind of things you do. What's your first
2: song for your Song of the Soul? Let's start out with, since we were talking about the 200 shows, This is a a song that I wrote during that year called America. It was the first song I wrote while I was driving and playing my ukulele at the same time. (laughs) Wait a minute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which I I don't do anymore. (laughs) But I was driving from... Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to Hamilton Square, New Jersey, for a show, and there was a traffic jam just outside Pittsburgh. I think a semi had overturned, and the traffic was completely backed up, and we were not moving for like a couple hours. And people just turned their cars off and, like, were playing frisbee. I thought, I'm like, how can I use my time wisely? So I had two options: either to get my laptop out of the trunk and uh, maybe queue up some emails or um, I knew I was working on my debut ukulele record and I needed to write some more songs for the record. So I'm like, well, why don't I just sit here at the steering wheel in a parked car and I'll just start playing some chords and maybe write a song. And after being harassed to play tiptoe through the tulips by RV next to me, um, <laughs> I eventually started moving slowly and I just kind of kept strumming and playing and I had the visual stimulation of the scenery coming by. And, But I realized I had failed to make sleeping arrangements for that evening. And I just kind of thought to myself, I'm like, you know, in the six months that you've been on the road, like nonstop, everything has always worked out. And people just come out of the woodwork. to it's, it's like, if I need something, everything always works out. And I think everything happens for a reason. And I just said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Worst case scenario, you have to pay for a hotel room. I just, just kind of was very zen about it. And so this song that came out of me called America is kind of about the people of America watching over me as I'm driving across the country, singing my songs and living my dream and doing what I love. I didn't realize how much of a spiritual song it was until after it was written and how much it's moved other people. And I sometimes still tear up when I sing this song and just uh, the support that I've gotten from people. But then now with um, the recent passing of my grandmother, when I say, you know, it's like, I feel your spirit. It could mean so many things. So it's an important song for me.
1: And the song is America by Victoria Vox. Box is my guest today for Song of the Soul, a song she wrote, one of the first ones you say on your ukulele, you were just putting that together, didn't you pick up the uke maybe 10 years ago or so?
2: Yeah, I started playing ukulele in 2003, a friend gave me one first and then my mom gave me one for that December 2003 Christmas, one that I could plug in at my shows. And it was during that year of 2004 and half of 2005 where people started kind of coming forward saying, we love this ukulele thing. It's so fun and it's different. And people started asking, like, do you have an album with these ukulele songs? And then that kind of planted the seed for me. I was like, well, I really should put out a ukulele album (laughs) because I was playing guitar before then.
1: You know, the song strikes me as very spiritual as well. If you didn't specifically tell me that it was about America or the spirit of the people that you met, I would say you could easily assume it was the hand of providence guiding you. So do you think of things at all in that way, or is there a... Something behind there? I mean, you know, what kind of spirit do you think about? You said your attitude was kind of Zen. Have you actually studied some Buddhism too? Or?
2: <laughs> no, not too much. But I think that it's like there's good. That is a oneness that people have and that it comes from somewhere. And it, is, it comes from like a, a good power. I guess that would be probably the best way that I could describe it.
1: Were you raised religiously?
2: A little bit. I was baptized congregational and, you know, I did Sunday school and all that very early on in my childhood. But then I ended up in Algoma. There are three schools there's a Lutheran school, a Catholic school, and then the public school. And my parents decided to send me and my sister to the Catholic school, even though we weren't Catholic. So I had a, a bit of a Catholic upbringing through eight years of grade school, which in some ways, kind of turned me off to some religion because the word Catholic means welcome, and I didn't find them to be particularly welcoming all the time. Uh, I think because I wasn't Catholic attending the school, there were times that they needed volunteers or people to help out with things for the church, and I would volunteer, but I would not be allowed to help. and so I, But I you know, it's not to say that all Catholics are that way. I think it, a lot of it depends, like, who's running the church at that time, and this was back in the 80s. I'm sure things have changed.
1: So I guess as a result of that, as a re- in reaction to that disapproval or non-acceptance by the Catholics, you became a morally depraved musician traveling on the road with groupies and addictions and that that's what it was all the catholic church's fault right
2: yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> no but i think i've always you know there's something religion in general i mean i think there's like a scientific discovery that there is a, a part of the brain that is only stimulated when you think of god or something and I, I do feel, you know, it's like when you when you walk into a church or any kind of place of worship, like you feel something. I don't, you know, and even though it's only a building, and I think people are drawn, they're just easy to be moved.
1: Well, America is a great song. It, it competes right up there with Paul Simon's song "America." I don't know if you know.
2: Oh, thank you.
1: As a matter of fact, he's likely to be jealous of you. <laughs> So let's pick out another song to make him even more jealous. What's next?
2: Let's see. We'll just kind of go maybe chronologically. So on the next, my second ukulele record, which came out in 2008, there's a song called Sing Wai and it's a French tune that I wrote during the Spielberg Song Festival in 2007, which takes place in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. I just went to sit down by the water but it's about being free out at sea. And so the lyrics are about being free out at sea, where there's the wind and the sun, and if I have troubles, they are drowned. The lyrics starts out with sitting under the bridge, and every hour the bridge goes up and the boats get to go through, and they go out and live their dreams and be free out at sea. The second verse is that I jump on the boat, Myself and kind of take control and take the captain's wheel, and so that I can be free out at sea.
1: Let's listen to the song Saint Noyer. It's drowned. They're drowned by Victoria Vox.
0: Il y a de l'eau autour de moi, et sous le pont je m'assois. Toutes les eaux le poncelent. Les bateaux vivent leur rêve et sur un bateau. et se i à l'égo. to sauter le volant.
1: Song is "Se noyer." Everybody knows C'est la vie," so it's the same say at the beginning of C'est la vie." Uh, C'est la vie" is that's the life, but "Se noyer," "noyer" is drowned.
2: Yes, yeah, so it it is drowned, and technically, it's um, I use a little bit of poetic license here, kind of like I can't get no satisfaction. It's not grammatically correct. You know, it should have been like "Il se noyer" or "They are drowned." talking about these feelings of something like or that, or kind of like similar
1: like, like it's it's gone we have an exceptional situation here victoria because both you and i speak french and there aren't all that many people from wisconsin who are french speaking <laughs> <laughs> i do it because of my two years in francophone west africa in the peace corps how did you learn french
2: so my junior year of high school, I decided to go to France for a year as an for foreign exchange student to live with a, a French family who didn't speak any English and go to high school there. I think my fascination with the French language started earlier, probably when I was in eighth grade, when my sister went to France with the high school and brought me back a cassette tape of this French band called Téléphone and they were a, like an 80s rock band. And I just loved hearing the songs, and I, I wanted to know what they were singing about and what they were saying. And then the French students would come over. They'd do like a little summer exchange program. And so I went over there to live for a year and had a really amazing experience. And I still keep in touch with my host family and my host brothers and sister and um, some of my French friends. And so that's kind of enabled me to keep up with the French language. And I think being a musician, like you hear a note and then you repeat the note and it's learning by ear and that language is much like music. And it's kind of like a song that you never forget.
1: You know, what you say about the words being like tunes, that reminds me of one of your songs on keys. You mentioned that specifically that after the words and all the other memories are, are gone, the melody is still there. Your words are like melodies. Is that that kind of thing that you're referring to?
2: Well, that, with that song, Remember the Music, it could be like that. But I think with that song, it's more coming from like either just the perspective of someone very forgetful, that they can forget things around the house or leave the house without things or not remembering if you lock the door and this kind of being almost absent-minded, but then when this is always this melody that's through the head and you never forget it, and then it kind of turns into a love story where it could have been, you know, maybe someone with Alzheimer's or just long ago that you might not be able to remember certain details of meeting somebody or a certain event, but that the memory just kind of floods back in with this song.
1: Yeah, I've seen that happen. Matter of fact, one time when I was touring with the folk dance group in England, we went to a nursing home and some people were fine and present in ambulatory, but there was one woman who was in a wheelchair and I was pushing her around for the dances, but she was kind of blank, stare ahead, no reaction to anything, right? Mm -hmm. But at a certain point we started doing the hokey pokey or what they know as the hokey cokey And all of a sudden she's singing along and she's moving her hands and the staff were so shocked because she had not been responsive to anything for weeks. But here she was doing the hokey pokey with her hands and when singing it, just it was was kind of astounding how music can activate parts of us that are otherwise very forgetful. Are you a forgetful person? Do you tie strings around your finger and then forget what you tied it about?
2: Sometimes. (laughs) I can, uh, you know, I'll be like, I'll go downstairs for something in the house and then I'll get downstairs and then I'll start doing something else and I'll go back upstairs and I'm like, I went downstairs to get something and what was that <laughs> that I clearly didn't do? But I am, I guess, absent-minded when it comes to locking the door, setting the alarm. I walk away and be like, did I lock the house? I go back and check. And so I'm, I'm trying to get better of, about that. I recently was in India with my mom and my sister and we were in Jodhpur in a temple and they had a palm reader that was hired by the museum that would read your palm. And it was really fascinating and he read read me like a book. It was pretty incredible But one of the things he said, he's like, do yourself a favor and make note when you're locking your door. You know, so that you like, like you just hit that one right on the head. I was like, how do you know this? Just from looking at my hand.
1: Well, I want to learn some more about you, Victoria. So give us another song, and I'm sure we'll open up more and more.
2: Sure. Um, well, let's go. For um, so the next record, it was called Exact Change, which came out in 2010. I wrote a song called Mother Nature. It started, I guess, the idea that I was in Canada, in Ottawa, playing at a folk festival. I had driven through the night from Lansing, Michigan. i finished up the show at about midnight, and I had about an eight-hour drive through the night because I had to be on the radio interview in Ottawa for the festival, like, at 10 a.m. So I pretty much just kept the water and coffee going. So I was a little bit delirious, I think, after the interview, and then we all went out and then decided to get a beer, and I hadn't eaten anything all day and hadn't slept. And this man at the bar started talking to me about the, I guess it's the Zeitgeist series with uh, the end of the world coming. <laughs> and this was back in 2009. And I think I had found myself at my host's house going on YouTube and watching all these videos in the history channel about the end of the world coming and the Mayan calendar. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, how come I didn't hear about this? And, uh, so then I wrote, so I sat in my host house in Ottawa and I wrote the song, Mother Nature. And I do have, um, I, I am an environmentalist of sorts. I'm a member of, uh, so since writing this song, I kind of was conflicted with myself because I'm a touring songwriter using gas to get around the country I make CDs, which is also petroleum, and I'm creating this product, you know, that are wrapped in plastic and, you know, just producing all this waste. So I was really kind of fighting myself with kind of caring for the environment, but then here I'm doing all these things that are not so much environmentally friendly and so then that's when I joined 1% for the Planet, which is a, just an organization of businesses who pledged to donate 1% of their sales back to environmental nonprofits. And since then, I, I no longer use shrink wrap on any of my albums. I try to use soy-based inks and rainforest-certified papers. And whatever I do, I try to give back to Earth a little bit So the song does have a little bit of an end-of-the-world vibe, but then also like an environmental vibe of like we need to take care of it and with climate change and these things that we might not be able to stop.
1: Well, we do need to get something done, and that's the message of Mother Nature by Victoria Vox. Mother Nature by Victoria Vox. She's my guest today for Song of the Soul. This is Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org. And on that website, you can listen to and download more than eight years of our programs. You can see links to our guests, like you'll find the site for Victoria Vox and her music, victoriavox.com. You'll also find a place to leave comments, and we do love comments. We'd love to hear from you. Help Keep this communication two-way by posting your comments on our site, nordenspiritradio.org. There's also a place to make donations. That's how we make our living. Your donations make all the difference. So please help us, and also remember to help your local community radio station. They're doing an invaluable slice of work that nowhere else is getting done, both news and music that you just don't see elsewhere. So do support, with your time and with your money, your local community radio station. Again, we're with Victoria Vox currently located over in Baltimore, originally from the Green Bay area of Wisconsin, Algoma. Welcome back to Wisconsin, at least via your voice. By the way, let's mention about your name. Vox is not the name you grew up with, but Vox is, I think, the Latin name for voice. It's a good name, considering the power of your voice. Do tell me a little bit about your instruments that you've learned. I mean, obviously... We know you've got the ukulele now, the mouth trumpet. I I saw a great video on the web of of you playing mouth trumpet, and I was blown away. What was your musical start? It says on your website that you went to Berklee School of Music for songwriting. What was your first instrument? You've got guitar in there.
2: Yeah, my first instrument was probably singing, actually. When I was about six, I made the conscious decision that I wanted to be a singer, but then when I was nine in third grade, we were doing a section in reading class on music, and my teacher brought in an old violin that she had, and she let each of the students come up and drag the bow across the violin and make a noise, you know, just like, wow, oh, that's so cool, like, I want to do that, and so then I pushed for like six months to my parents that I want to take violin lessons, I want violin lessons, and So I took violin lessons for nine years, but then also when I was 11, I joined band, and I started out on the oboe, so I played the oboe for about seven years, and then when I started my freshman year of high school, they needed trumpet players, so then I learned the trumpet, which then turned into a little bit of piano, and then when I was 17, I started guitar. And I think most importantly, I wanted to, I started writing songs when I was 10 on a little Casio keyboard that played beats and I just had to play one note and it would play like a whole chord and rhythm. And so I could write, you know, these little pop songs. (laughs) So then, then later at 24, picking up the ukulele and then also the bass guitar.
1: Wow. Obviously, music has been your life for so long. You say on your website that at 10 you were inspired to begin songwriting by Cyndi Lauper and Madonna. (laughs) And I noted that on your CD called Under the Covers, which is all covers of other people's songs, I didn't see a single one there by Cyndi Lauper and Madonna. What's that about?
2: Well, the Under the Covers project was kind of a lesson in songwriting for me. In 2011, I learned and memorized a new cover song every week. And it had to be a song that I had not learned before. In college, I did learn, you know, did sing some Cyndi Lauper songs and some Madonna songs. I didn't really feel it was fair for my memorizing part to sing songs that I knew.
1: You mean you didn't grow up singing Blackbird or Summertime, Alleluia, Leonard Cohen's song? You didn't grow up with those.
2: No. I mean I had heard the song Blackbird before but I and I had heard like in college people would play it on guitar and I always thought I'm like gosh it's like I will never be able to play that. <laughs> so with this cover song project that I did I I really challenged myself to learn songs that I that I knew I should know and should learn but hadn't ever learned and so I did do one Cindy Lauper song during that year. I didn't do any Madonna, but I did do the Cindy Lauper tune. I love her emotion and her voice and I just I think she's amazing.
1: Well, I think you're amazing, so dazzle us with some more music of yours.
2: Okay. So we'll move on to the new record called Key. So, following the 2011 cover song project, I did a 2012 original song project where I wrote a song a week for the year. We'll start out with daffodil. I wrote this song on my bicycle, not while playing the ukulele. At
1: the oh, time. come on! I, I was waiting for that one.
2: <laughs> um, but it was it was springtime, so it was week eleven. All the daffodils out east here started coming up, and I just was pedaling and I was like daffodil daffodil you know I just by the time I drove home from the bike ride, I pretty much had the song written. and then I went home and just kind of Wikipedia daffodil to do a little bit of research. and it was kind of interesting how the lyrics fit with where the daffodil name comes from and what daffodil means and that it's the, the Greek god a narcissist, who, was so narcissistic that he died. You know, either he fell into the pond or he couldn't take his days off of himself and he starved to death. But he was just so vain and looking at himself in the pond that he died and then a daffodil bloomed where he stood. So it's kind of a song about slowing down, like on a bike. You know, it's different than driving because you see the scenery different. You're forced to slow down and take notice of things around you that you might not see otherwise. And so it's kind of like stop looking at yourself in the skin all the time and look outward and see what's around you.
1: The artist is Victoria Vox. The song is Daffodil off of her latest CD, Key. Daffodil,
0: daffodil's on no, no. say
1: Victoria Vox. You'll find her on the web at victoriavox.com. And this is a song that you wrote, Victoria. You said it's part of your 52-week songwriting program. I figure you had to have cheated some point in there. Maybe you had a couple of the songs kind of ready ahead of time. Nope. You're, you're that disciplined? Are, are you an incredibly disciplined person?
2: <laughs> I am very disciplined, and I I like creating guidelines. And I, I'm a rules follower. I know rules are meant to be broken, but I do like rules. When I started the project and I announced that I would do it, I financially supported myself for the year by taking subscribers to the project. And so fans subscribed to get a weekly email from me receiving these songs and the lyrics and kind of where the song came from. One of my rules was, well, one rule was that I would not care if they liked the song, that I wasn't going to write to please and that, that they weren't signing up to get 52 awesome Victoria Rock songs. Like, I'm like, it could be any style. It could be a dance song. It could be an experimental song. It could be jazz. It could be rock. It could be country. Like, I'm just going to write. But they had a money-back guarantee so that if I failed, so it was $52 for 52 weeks, and if I failed to write 10 songs at the year's end, everybody would get 10 bucks back. So that helped me stay accountable to get the project done. But I found that every week I really enjoyed starting out fresh. You know, I'd come up with, like, ten different musical ideas, but there gets to be a point where you have to pick one. You know, and I was thinking, like, oh, I could just store all these musical ideas for the next week. But I found that by the next week I had ten more musical ideas, and then I had to pick which one of those. And it, I never really went, you know, it's just kind of like I picked an idea, I went with it, and then the next Sunday I just was like... Start fresh. What are you feeling? What's on your mind? What do, you, what do you want to do this week?
1: Evidently, you did a good enough quality on these songs that you were at least able to choose 11 of them to be on your key CD. Could you have produced a second CD, or did you just not feel confident of the quality of all of them?
2: Yeah, I actually did put out two records. There's another album that came out under a um, like an alter ego project name, Boombox Seance, which is beats and bass with the baritone ukulele. So I wrote all the ukulele parts and the music, and then I had co-writers, Aaron English, Jim Choglin, James Hall, and then our producer, Jeff Stanfield, was a huge contributor to the record. So eight of the songs from the 52 Song Project were allocated to the Boombox Seance Project.
1: What's next for Song of the Soul, Victoria?
2: Let's move on to Mama's Lullaby, which was week nine of my 52 Songwriting Project there were two weeks week eight and nine that were around the memorial day of my late stepfather who passed away and he's passed away suddenly and we were left going through all of his belongings but it was kind of I was just amazed at the amount of stuff someone can have when you start like really going through someone's stuff like if they're not there and like you have to deal with all of it and so it was, um, I started out with a song called You Can't Take It to the Grave. And then it ended up kind of poking fun at Americanism and consumerism and how, it, you know, why do we need 20 pairs of shoes? You can't wear 20 pairs. You can't even wear out 20 pairs of shoes in a lifetime. And then the second song I wrote, Mama's Lullaby, it was definitely death-related. It wasn't exactly a, a story of me and my mom in any way. It was just kind of, I created a story based around the death of the mother's husband or lover and then turning it to the death of the mother and the daughter remembering the song that the mother would sing. So it's kind of, there's a song within a song.
1: Mama's Lullaby.
0: I won't forget that summer night, the tree. Rustled in the breeze From my bed I heard the cold That brought brought her to her knees The day he died he took her heart And I ran to her side that's when I heard her sing to me Mama's lullaby Mockingbird, little bell Mockingbird
1: glorious voice we have with us today is Victoria Vox. That was her song, part of her 52 songs in 52 weeks back last year, Mama's Lullaby. Great song, of course, Victoria. I think you already know that, but... thank you. (laughs) Was your mother much of
2: a singer? She sang to us when we were kids, although I think once I started singing more, it would be just like we'd sing in the car and I'd be like, Mom... I said, tell her
1: to stop singing. Fortunately, my my son was tolerant with me, and I I teach him songs. Like I taught him the marvelous toy, but I told him a story with it when I was a kid and I got this toy, and he so much wanted to have that toy. (laughs) (laughs) Music is a great way to tell stories and have shared stories with kids.
2: Yeah, we spent, I think, you know, we spent a lot of time in the car driving. My mom taught. At the, she teaches at the university in Green Bay. And when we were living in Algoma, and then when I had violin lessons in Green Bay, you know, driving to Green Bay a lot. And then also we lived out of town in Algoma in the country. And so we had to drive in to school every day. And there would just be the radio and songs. And so, you know, we'd sing a lot in the car. And just there was always music on
1: well, it's been delightful having time with you. I think we should finish off with one more song. How can we conclude your Song of the Soul, Victoria?
2: We'll do another French tune. It's called Mon Cœur Vide, which means my empty heart. This is from week five of the songwriting project on the new record Key. I started writing it in the shower, and the refrain of this song is, self suffit, mon cœur vide. And Saksusi means that's enough. And Monkir read My Empty Heart. It was the week before Valentine's Day, and my, I had to take a gig by myself because my chelps had a date. And so I was like, oh, I'm by myself. And poor me. And, you know, like, there's all this self-pity. And I just was just kind of like, that's enough. Like, knock it off. And so it's, it's kind of a hopeful song. The verses, they say all these kind of sad things like no one will ever be looking at me in that way or like that this happiness is only for lovers and this, nothing's ever going to change and it's just me and I'm alone and I'm cold. And then I say, stop, see, my empty heart. Like, that's enough. Like, stop. Stop these thoughts.
1: Well, it's a sad, maybe hopeful song. It's a beautiful song. Uh, I guess I haven't run into one of your songs yet that wasn't beautiful, oh, thank you. and I appreciate them so much. I'm sorry that you're over in Baltimore instead of in Wisconsin.
2: Well, I do get I do get back in the area probably three or four times a year, and I will be coming back in December with my cellist. So we usually do some shows in Wisconsin at the end of the year.
1: For you listeners, remember to visit northernspiritradio.org to hear some really choice bonus excerpts that we just couldn't fit into this broadcast, including one about the underwear that Victoria sells as part of her music programs. Thanks, Victoria, for sharing your beautiful music and spirit, and thank you so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you. We end our interview with Victoria Vox on the web at victoriavox.com with her song in French, My Empty Heart, Mon Coeur Vide. See you next week for Song of the Soul. Ta